0: Hello again from Regensburg in Germany. This is Jim Hale behind the camera and John Henner Weston coming to you to give you a beautiful traditional Christmas. As you might have seen yesterday, if you didn't go check it out, we did a beautiful video about the Christmas market which you see behind us here. Today we're going to focus on tradition in Germany. There's so many traditions including the tradition of the Latin Mass, and faithful Catholicism here in this nation. Even though we might have the reputation from the bishops now for the last couple of years in Germany being very unfaithful to the teachings of the church, we're gonna talk with Princess Gloria about tradition in Germany. Stay tuned. So if you don't mind, let's begin as we always do with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. It is so good to be with you here. God bless you. Good to see you. Very good to see you. So we are in Germany on sort of a special mission because we have seen, in fact, the whole wide world has seen these past couple of years with the German synodal path. And even the Vatican, which has already gone very left, even they have said to Germany, watch out what you're doing. So the whole world has now this reputation. Germany, the reputation of Germany, the whole world is very, Oh, seems to be, they're only on the left, only on the left. And so we've come here to, to really the heart of tradition in Germany, to speak with you about what you've seen in terms of the faithful reacting. Are the faithful trying to defend tradition here in Germany?
1: I think that the real faithful, speaking the people who go to church on Sunday, they don't really care so much what happens in church politics. Mm -hmm. Because these are (coughs) regular people who go about their own lives, they have their own problems and they go to the sacraments. Only a fraction of these people will be interested in church politics. So you can say, people that are interested in church politics are already on a track where you could say in danger zone, in a danger zone." Mm-hmm. Now, me personally, I happen to be involved in church politics because I have a lot of priest friends, mm-hmm. and of course, for the priests, they basically don't talk about anything else than the destruction of the church mm-hmm. and um so for them, it's a huge issue. And you basically, I see my role always as calming them down and trying to distract them. But as is very difficult because for somebody that has given their lives and de- dedicated their whole studies and, and life and work life to the church, of course, it's a disaster when they see it is crumbling right before their eyes.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, when you say crumbling, they basically are pursuing the, you know, they they want to make it more acceptable for LGBT and and have transgender in the schools and accept it and so on. And abortion, well, we're going to just be gentle about it and so on. So these aren't things that people would normally discuss as destruction, but obviously in terms of the faith, yes. But what do you feel people are seeing on the issues as well in terms of faithful and also the priests? Are they looking at this and seeing a destruction as well, or are they seeing just, we're trying to get more progressive?
1: Well, of course, it it, it is both, because the ones that are on the left, they, they want a different church. And why they want a different church is obvious, because of course, the world politics, the world leaders at the moment are all atheistic. If you look at China, it's an atheist country. If you look at the US or Canada, it's an atheist country. So all these political leaders are basically pushing an agenda that is anti-Christian. And I guess that the reason why the mainstream church is on that particular track is because they hope to survive. They think that if they play by their rules and by their cards, that they will be allowed to coexist of course, that, the pr- history has proven wrong because in the Russian Revolution, the church was wiped out. In Nazi Germany, the church was wiped out. And also in Nazi Germany, the church tried to get into business with Hitler and find a way to cooperate so that they could still exist. But, you know, the, the, the political leadership uses you And when they don't need you anymore, you get just as persecuted as everybody else. So I would say this is the wrong strategy, but obviously they have chosen that path. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Do you think it's more out of political expediency on the part of the bishops? Or do you think there are a good number of them who actually believe the sort of woke agenda, if you want to call it that? Um, I asked the same question once of some cardinals that I know regarding Pope Francis, and they seem to think... No, he actually believes that, you know, the church should move on the LGBT issues. Do you think that's true of some of the bishops here or are they just
1: trying to get political,
0: you know, points?
1: Well, we, again, I, I always like to look into history to judge the contemporary times. And I think if you look at Nazi Germany, everybody believed Hitler. Hmm. Everybody believed that this is the right way for Germany to go. Today, 80 years later, nobody believed. Mm-hmm. And nobody was was a Nazi and nobody was a collaborator. So I think the psychology of human beings is if they choose to take the easiest path, they will pretend to believe until they believe. <laughs> because it's the easiest way. Mm-hmm. It, it, you, you cannot... Actually, to go against the system is a is a very tough way because mm-hmm. you can lose your job, you have not a career, and you you lose your friends because everybody says you are not with us anymore. You became so strange, and because of course these issues never were brought up, but now that we are coming into a crisis, you have to show your cards, and the cards are on the table. And so, in my opinion, this. Terrible time has the great advantage that you see the people's real face, because now they are letting down their hair, and we can see what people are really all about. During the pontificate of um, Pope Benedict, everybody wanted to be a conservative, everybody wanted to join in the old right, everybody was for the uh, clergy clothes, the, the, the nice and fancy clergy clothes, and as soon as that, they realized that the new pontificate doesn't like it, they threw it all out the window and they started to persecute the people who like to go to the old right masses. So you can see people change so dramatically and so quickly that I would say 90 percent of the people are pure opportunistic mm. but they, they if, you, if, if you, if you, psychologically, if you take on a different view so that you don't break down it's better if you start to believe, even though you didn't believe, or you have no belief, but you now you believe in yeah. this new yeah. agenda.
0: Yeah. Now, German Catholics have had to sort of fight for their faith, those who retained the faith, for, for a long time now. Uh, Lutheranism was very powerful in Germany, and, and a lot of Catholics were persecuted at the time. Do you see that kind of willingness to suffer under this kind of... Yeah, it's almost like a new religion coming you know do you see that still
1: in in some of the faithful well uh, the, uh, the, the real faithful they will surely suffer until uh, and the, the, it will be for them the great challenge and i hope that god will give us the strength and i hope he will not that we will not have to be proven to to go this very tough path but as of for now, I can see that the real faithful are against that new religion. That what is the new religion? In, you can you can observe that every new government that is sworn in, the first thing they say, we believe in climate change. Mm-hmm. That is the new religion. Yeah. Uh, Macron and whoever, and the first thing they say immediately to the world, we take climate change as our number one priority. Mm-hmm. And, and, and with with a, with such a strong air that you could say, okay, that used to be what, when people said, the Holy Trinity is everything for us. <laughs> and that yeah. the Holy Trinity of today is climate change. Yeah.
0: yeah. One of the areas where there's a particular persecution against more traditional Catholics is around the Latin Mass. That's, you know being restricted more and more and more, depending on where you are, you had a beautiful, beautiful mass uh, for your family, a requiem mass, just absolutely gorgeous. Um, Tell us two things. If you can tell us first a little bit about that mass, why a requiem mass, what is a requiem mass and what does it represent for your family?
1: Okay, a requiem mass is a mass where you where you think and pray for the deceased souls of your friends and mostly family members. And it's so important to remember the deceased because the deceased can help us a lot with their prayer because they're closer to God, needless to say. But again, also the deceased soul needs our prayer because all the souls in purgatory can only be saved if we pray for them. And that's one of the great disasters of the world, is that nobody thinks of the deceased souls anymore. If you look at the cemeteries, the cemeteries are not as frequented as they used to be, but the deceased souls are not gone, they are here. But they need our prayer, and we need to stay in touch with them. The best way to stay in touch with the deceased souls is by prayer. Because remember, we live forever. The only people who die are the ones who don't believe, because... They will die, or exist somewhere very terrible, mm-hmm. which we call hell. But everybody else who searches and loves God will be saved. That's why Jesus. That's why we celebrate Christmas. And so, I believe, ah, and the, I, in the tradition of our family, and also my family was that in every Catholic family, once a year you go to the cemetery and once a year in uh, All Saints and All Souls, we we have the masses for our deceased souls. We do it again also later in the year because we we like to celebrate a requiem because almost every year somebody in the family dies, so we remember them. With a requiem, and then we go down to the crypt and we bring the flowers to, to the coffin and so this is a very good tradition because also all the family members get to come together mm-hmm. on that very day and it's a good reason to get together and pray together, but also be happy together, because Catholics are happy people because we know that we are saved mm-hmm.
0: what are, what are the um
1: Wait one moment, Maria is coming. Okay. Maria, can we bitte die, die Kerze anmachen? Yes. Yeah. Oh, thank ja, danke, Maria. That is super. You danke. So, a schwerer Tablet. It's like dir auch nichts erspart. Thank you, 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 Maria.
0: You thank you. So, one of the things that um, really is a question, when do you think the faithful. in a a larger part, those that are really faithful, but when do you think they will react? When do you think they will say, oops, we have to now do something? So you mentioned most of them are just going about their daily lives, going to Mass, doing their thing. They're not paying attention to church politics. But as the church politics starts to encroach on their daily lives, as the uh, you know, Latin mass is curtailed or perhaps even ended, um, as perhaps they, they refuse to allow communion kneeling or on the tongue, or perhaps they say all Catholic schools now must have an LGBT lesson or whatever. When do you think it
1: will come to the people will say enough? Well, first of all, you have to say the church is not a democracy. So the church is ruled by a very strict hierarchy which has a lot of good. But in our case today, it has a, 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 a disadvantage. So we can say that what comes from Rome, we have to basically obey. And the clergy is, has to obey. Because if, the, if you find a priest that will do otherwise, he can be sacked immediately and there's nothing he can do about it. So in that case, I think the way to change the church and to change the path of the church is possible if we, the faithful, pray more. Hmm. Because if I look back at the last 30 years, I can say we took things for granted. We were not looking after our priests enough. I remember that many priests were lonely because everybody went their own way and nobody took care of them. A priest also needs a social a frame and a social connection. He needs to be listening to the young people of good Catholic family because if they are alone, they are also watching internet and they are also, as, um, uh, how do you say, uh, um, under the influence of the mainstream. Because they are people of the world, they live and go out and, and go shopping and eat, and, and they don 't live like recluse; they are part of our life, and therefore all the modern life diseases maladies they also get mm-hmm. they they lose their faith they lose why am I a priest when you think about the whole Abuse crisis. Abuse crisis was also a crisis of lack of faith, but also it was also a sign they were alone. Because if they were with others and on constant watch, they weren't wouldn't be able to go about things like this. So it was also us, lay people, that have not taken care of our priests enough. And I think the way that it, it will change in the church is not by us saying we have enough, is by us praying more. And through that, we will get faithful young men who will see the priesthood as something, as a top-notch position to achieve in the world. There is no nothing more aristocratic than becoming a priest. The priest has, through all history and time, always been the upper class of the world In the in the ancient Egyptian uh, societies and also in the Jewish societies, and also in the Buddhist societies. The the upper class were the priest class. And it has to be attractive again to be a priest. And that can only be changed if we decide to get married again, to have children, and to educate our children in a Christian, in a Catholic way. Then we will also have the seminaries filled with better people. I mean, there are very good young priests. I know a lot of them, and they don't care what the mainstream is. They go along and they study theology because they have to study, but privately they study the classical theology, and so you get a formation, and that will grow stronger the more we pray for it. And I think the, the revival of the church will come through the laity that will pray and and form the formation. That is not impossible. It's already happening in various places in the world. And, of course, the church hierarchy is, is very slow. And they are also trying to please the politics. But eventually, they will see that the ones who don't like the liturgy are all between 75 and 90. And that is that these people are dying, and the young people think, why did we leave our tradition behind? Tradition is something good. Why is tradition all of a sudden out of fashion? Why? Who are the great persecutors of tradition? And if you dig deeper, you find that this is a very superficial and very worldly. Agenda behind that—it is an agenda that sees the church as a, as a, um, how do you say, a stopper to um, bring wrong and uh, and lies into the world. And the devil always tried to destroy the church. Mm-hmm. He will always try. He will not succeed. And even though we are in a crisis right now. We can feel already and see. Today you saw the young priests at the requiem. They are there. And they are happy to be priests. And that's going to be the renewal.
0: One final question on, on tradition. And that is, what has attracted you to tradition? Why do you stick to it? I mean, you're you know, someone who is already in the aristocracy. You have no need for any kind of Uh, you know, other kind of appreciation or anything like that. And yet it causes you problem. It's not like it's easy for you to cling to tradition. I'm sure there's lots of people who would appreciate if you didn't. Yes. Um, And so why? What draws you to it? What makes you stick to it even though there's a lot of pressure for you not to?
1: Okay. It's again the divine providence. I met a, a traditionalist priest about 20 years ago and he told me that they were persecuted, they had no church, they couldn't say the mass, and they were so much looking to find a place where they could serve the Lord and serve the people, and I didn't know about this. And so I asked around my friends, and they told me, yes, it's true, the the, the old right people are really persecuted, and uh, Lefebvre and all this. I, I knew about Lefebvre because the Lefebvre people had bought bought a castle that belonged to my aunt Hmm. where they put a school. So I knew about them, but I I was too small or too young to really understand the problem. But when I dug into the problem and I realized that these people are really good, faithful priests and who took things really seriously that they were persecuted by the hierarchy, I said, I'm going to help them. Hmm. And I... Because of, I thought it's so unjust. And by helping them and getting to know them closer, of course, I also learned more about the liturgy and the beauty of the liturgy. And that's why I, I really, I really didn't understand what was wrong with them. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so. It was so fantastic when Pope Benedict gave them the, the the possibility. And all of a sudden, it was flowering everywhere. The worshiping in the old rite had such a success. And Obviously, it had so much success that the left-wing church, who has an exodus of people because the guitar playing and the rock music singing and the gay parade in the church is obviously not attractive because the gay parade you can have in the streets much better (laughs) and the guitar playing on a rock and roll stage is also much better. The church can only imitate that. So it it wasn't attractive, so the, 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 the mainstream church had the exodus. And so, of course, they were looking at the traditionalists, and they were jealous. It's, hmm. it's jealousy. They have all the seminaries full, and they don't have seminaries. And then, of course, in Germany there are bishops who do not want a full seminary anyway. They want the church to die so that they can bring the lay people in.
0: Unbelievable. That's beautiful. Okay, so you all see Princess Gloria and tradition. But remember, Princess Gloria was called the punk princess, and you might wonder why. Well, Jim and I were here, and we were asked to come because they were do- going to do some carol singing. And so we went, and we were expecting some very traditional Christmas carol singing. That's not what we got. What we got was something totally alive. It certainly arrived, the al- made alive, the massive crowd here. Uh, in the Christmas market. Take a look at this. This is Princess Gloria and this is how she brings fun to the Christmas market. From here in Regensburg, Germany, this is John Henry Weston and Jim Hale for Lightsite News.